Good morning, Epiphany. What a delight and honor it is to be gathered here uh, online worshiping Jesus Christ. Happy Easter to everybody. Uh, man, I ain't gonna lie. I'm a little uh, a little tight that we are not together today uh, worshiping Jesus. If you were here, I would say he is risen. Uh, and the appropriate response back is he is risen indeed. Won't you do me a favor and just type that in the chat room, type that on Facebook. He has risen Indeed, certainly the grave could not hold our Lord and Savior down. Won't you do me a favor and just really, really quickly share this link with somebody. Tell them that we are on, we are live, and that we are talking about an empty tomb today. Share this on Facebook. Uh, if you're in the chat room, you hit that link so that you can share this with somebody else. Tell grandma or, or, or your friends or your father or your mother. Tell somebody that we are on live. Uh, I am excited about preaching about an empty tomb today. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, don't turn there, but Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 uh, that this message that I deliver to you is of first importance, placing priority on the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In other words, it, it is a message that is not just suitable for Easter Sunday, but it's for every day. Monday through Friday, 365 days of the year, we should be uh, celebrating that we serve a, a Savior that has risen. We are celebrating the fact that the tomb is empty. Uh, and I want to talk about that today, so I'm eager to preach. Grab your Bibles or your devices, your laptops, whatever you got, and do me a favor. Get to John chapter 20. John chapter 20 is where we are going to hang out. When you get there, go to the middle of the of the passage of the book, and you get to verse 19, which is where we're going to hang out. Again, I'm a little sad that we are not together today. This is our first Easter as a church that we have uh, had to gather this way. Uh, but nevertheless, as a young church that is full of uh, millennials and uh, full of young people, uh, I am certainly excited that we get to do so via technology. Uh, we, we definitely have an opportunity here before us, and so instead of just complaining that we're not together, I'm, I'm grateful that I can come into your homes and talk to you about uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do me a favor. Pick me up in verse 19. Again, John chapter 20, verse 19 says, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were, were for fear of the Jews Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, please underline these four words, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Do me a favor, jump down to verse 26. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood amongst them and said, Peace be with you. I want to preach today from the topic entitled, Full House, Empty Tomb. Do me a favor, just type that in the chat room so somebody else knows what we're talking about today. Full House, Empty Tomb. Let's pray before we dig in. We rejoice this morning, Lord, in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, where it says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will give life to our immortal bodies. And so, Father, we thank you that we serve a Savior that had power to get up even from the grave. And so, Father, as we celebrate this reality, oh God, I pray, oh God, that you would 
Do something in our hearts today. Ignite something in our hearts today. Stir up our affections for Jesus Christ and the work that he has accomplished on the cross. It's in Christ's name we give all glory. Amen. Full house, empty tomb. All across this country uh, and all across this world and all across our neighborhoods, uh, we have been locked down. We've been, we've been stuck in the house. We have been locked down for good reasons. For, we have state uh, and local officials that have given us uh, these stay-at-home orders. Uh, if you consider the schools have been canceled, that the parks have been closed. In fact, Ty and I were walking the other day, and uh, we, we noticed that one of the, 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 the basketball courts at the parks, the rims were taken off of the basketball court. If we kept going and we looked at another park and the same thing happened there. It's pretty clear that the city really shut us down and told us not even to play basketball. Uh, businesses have been closed and non-essential workers have been asked to stay home. And the question on the table is, while we are stuck in the house for good reason, so that we're not spreading this virus for, and we're not uh, contracting this virus, for good reason we're home. But while you are home, what is priority for you right now? Well, while you are home... What has, what has been occupying your time? Here's what I want to present to you this morning. That what should be occupying our time in this season is Jesus. Not just in this season, but the season before and the season after. If you've trusted in Jesus and you have professed that he is the Lord and the master of your life, it should be something in your life called gospel centrality, where Jesus is the priority and What I love about the passage before us is the passage before us is going to show us what happens when Jesus gets in the house. That the passage before us is going to show us what what it looks like to experience, watch this, real peace, genuine peace. What, What does that look like? Well, we get an example of that in John chapter 20. There's a couple of things that happen in John 20 that I think begs for our attention. Why don't you look at verse 19? It says, on the evening of the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were. Don't miss this important detail. It says, for fear of the Jews. In other words, the disciples are all in the house and they are stuck in this house. They are confined in this house because they are afraid. You should do me a favor favor and just circle the word fear draw a line out to the margin and just write they were scared not not scared scared with a you put that in the chat room that they are afraid right now they're frightened they are nervous they are shaking they are timid they are full of angst and that is so interesting to me that they are fearful right now in fact if you google the Greek word that is used here, it is the word phobos. It is where we get our English word phobia from. Don't get it twisted. The boys are nervous right now. They are locked down right now. Why are they scared? Why are they in, uh, in fear? Why are they afraid? Consider with me that in the streets right now are Roman soldiers. I'm sure that they are afraid of the Roman soldiers. I'm sure that there's a little fear in their life because of the non-believing Jews who just crucified Jesus. I'm sure that they are afraid because when you consider that their Lord and Savior just died and they don't want to be put on a cross and crucified like Jesus was. And so they are stuck in the house with the doors locked. And the Bible says that they are afraid. I don't know if you notice the relevancy to the season we're in. Many of us right now are stuck in our homes and we're afraid. 
Many of us right now are in our homes and we are fearful. What are we afraid of? We don't know where the next paycheck is going to come from. What are we afraid of? We, we don't know how we're going to make ends meet at the end of this month. Many business owners are afraid because they don't know what's going to happen with their business. Pastors are afraid because they don't know what's going to happen to their flock as we are scattered. What do resources look like? Shoot, some of us are afraid to even go to the store. We're afraid to pick up food right now. Why are we afraid? Because we don't want to be exposed to COVID-19. We are like the disciples and the followers of Jesus in John chapter 20, where we are stuck in the house and we are afraid. If you consider how many times in the story of the resurrection, how many times fear was mentioned. I'm thinking about Mary Magdalene and, and the mother of Jesus, Mary, when they came to the tomb. And when they got to the tomb, the Bible says that there was an angel there and they were afraid. Also, at that same tomb, you had two guards that were supposed to be guarding the tomb to make sure that nobody stole the body. And the Bible says that the two Roman soldiers that were guarding the tomb weren't only afraid, but the Bible goes so far as to give us the detail that they were like dead men. How interesting is that, that the one inside of the tomb is supposed to be dead, but he's really alive. And the one that are outside of the tomb, are supposed to be alive. And the Bible just said that they are afraid and they have become like dead men. Well, what about Peter? Peter denies Jesus three times before Jesus dies. Why does he deny Jesus? Because he is afraid. Over and over again in the resurrection story, in the Easter story, over and over again, we get let in on the fact that the followers of Jesus are afraid. And once again, here we have the followers of Jesus in John 20 in the house and they are afraid. And here's what I know about fear. If spiritual men, if men that have walked with Jesus, women that have walked with Jesus can be afraid, can I validate your fear this morning? It's okay to be afraid. It's okay that you have some type of reservation for this season and the uncertainty brings anxiety. I understand it and that is okay, but here's what's not okay. What's not okay is for you to stay in fear. Yeah, yeah, you can fear, but you cannot let fear overtake you. You cannot let fear grip you. Let me put some Bible here in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. The Bible says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. Somebody just type amen right there. But of power and of love and of a sound mind. Born again believers may fear, but it doesn't grip us. We choose faith over fear. I don't know if you've been following our, our devotionals that we've been laying out. We've intentionally named them faith over fear because we choose to have faith in Jesus and not allow fear to stay there. Yeah, it might creep in, but don't allow it to stay. So the Bible says the disciples and the followers of Jesus are afraid. Likewise, many of us are afraid. We're, we're, we're afraid when we look at our finances. We're afraid when we look at our emotional state. We are afraid when we consider our own physical health and our physical well-being. But let me promise you something, getting laid off, if you've gotten laid off in the last couple of weeks, that shouldn't bring fear. Rather, it should bring an opportunity for you to see how God is able to provide. Many of us sing about the provision of God. Many of us preach about the provision of God. And we tell people, my God, 
God takes care of me, but we've never experienced God as a provider. Guess what? We have an opportunity in this season right now to experience God as a provider. Maybe you have health issues. Maybe it's not even COVID-19. You just have always had health issues. But guess what? We now have an opportunity to experience God as a healer. So here's my question for you. Are you afraid or are you going to look at the opportunity for God to be God in this season? So the Bible says that they are stuck in the house and they are afraid. These men of faith, these apostles, these disciples, the ones that will start the early church, the ones that will run hard for Jesus Christ throughout the rest of the New Testament. In this moment, they are afraid. So like the disciples, many of us are afraid. But here's what's interesting. Fear is not the only detail mentioned in verse 19. Please do me a favor. Just quickly go back to your Bible or go back to your device and look at verse 19. It says, on the evening of the first day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked. The Bible says that the doors are locked, but watch this. Where the disciples were and Jesus came and stood amongst them. Look at verse 26, says the exact same thing. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them, although the doors were locked. Watch what Jesus does. Jesus came and stood among them, amongst them. Can you imagine this? The Bible says that the disciples are fearful. They are stuck inside of this house together. And it gives us the detail twice that the doors are locked, locked and Jesus just shows up. Imagine that, that Jesus does not text Thaddeus and say, hey, I'm at the door. Can you open the door? Jesus doesn't sit at the window. Y'all know how we do in Brooklyn. And be like, hey, oh, Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus isn't knocking on the door right now. Jesus doesn't even touch the doorknob to get inside. The Bible just says he shows up. Question you should be asking is how, Sway? How does Jesus just appear where he wasn't before? Don't miss this. Jesus, in his after his death, before, after his resurrection, his death and his resurrection, before he ascended into heaven, he had the ability to disappear and appear. And so he exercises that authority right here. And in the midst of the boys being scared, he just shows up, which shows me something. Let me take us to the tomb. How interesting is it that Jesus rolls the stone away? You should be questioning, why does Jesus have to roll the stone away? I just read in verse 19, and in just in verse 26, that Jesus had the ability to disappear and appear. Why does he roll a stone away to get out of the tomb when all he has to do is disappear and appear outside the tomb? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because Jesus rolls the stone away not to get out. He doesn't have to do that. Jesus rolls the stone away so that you and I can get in. Well, why, does we, why, why do we need to get into the tomb so that we can see that it's empty? The stone was never rolled away for Jesus to walk out. The stone was rolled away so that you and I can walk in and see that you can't find Jesus' body. And if the tomb is empty, that gives me joy inside the house. But can I go deeper with Jesus' ability to just show up? If Jesus has the ability to show up in this text, he has the ability to show up in your situation right now. 
He has the ability to show up in your house right now. Jesus right now has the ability to show up in the midst of your fear. He can go where no one else can go. Jesus has the ability to go where no counselor can go. He has the ability to go where no doctor can go. Maybe you are experiencing sickness. He has the ability to go into your lungs where nobody else can go. Jesus has the ability to do what no vaccine could ever do. Jesus has the ability to just show up. Some of you have lost family members. In this season, you, you know somebody that has been affected. Guess what? Jesus can show up in that household where they are experiencing loss. That that household that is experiencing sickness, you should just pray, Jesus, would you just show up at their house? Because the Bible says that Jesus has the ability to do that. So here's two details for you in verse 19. The boys are in the house and they are afraid. Bible tells me that the door is locked, but my Lord and Savior goes where nobody else can go. And the Bible says he he shows up. But watch what else happens, because when he shows up, he doesn't just show up just to stand there. Jesus shows up and actually gives us some comfort. Watch what it says here in verse 19. It says, Jesus came and stood amongst them and said to them, peace be with you. Verse number 21, he says it again. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. Third time is a charm. So Jesus says it again at the end of verse number 26. Jesus came and stood amongst them and said, peace be with you. Three times Jesus says, peace be with you. Let me just give you a quick Bible 101. Whenever Jesus repeats himself, he's not at a loss of words. Jesus isn't standing there confused on what do I say? Now, that's not what's happening. Jesus is trying to get you to focus on something. When he says three times, peace be with you, he's showing you that peace just showed up to the house. Before he gives them a mission, before he gives them any purpose, he establishes peace in a house that is fearful. I I love that Jesus does that. What, What Jesus is showing us right now that although hell feels like it is breaking loose in your house, peace be with you. And Jesus had, see what I love about Jesus is Jesus doesn't bring peace. He is peace. Let me put Bible right there. Ephesians chapter two, verse 14, for he himself is our peace. Isaiah chapter nine, verse six gives Jesus a bunch of names. It says, and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Jesus doesn't only bring peace. He is peace. Somebody right now is experiencing all types of emotional turmoil. You should try Jesus. You you might have accidentally clicked onto this link or maybe you were just scrolling and it just showed up and you think that it it is by accident that you got on here. No, you got on here for me to tell you that peace just showed up to your house. What is the peace that shows up? The peace is Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. I don't know about y'all, but in this season, I personally Your boy needs some peace. Many of us are, we are confined to our homes. If you have kids, that adds an extra layer of anxiety. I need somebody with little kids to just say, I need some peace. I need some peace in the chat room right now. 
I got two teenagers and, you know, after a while of always being around each other and always being in the house and being confined to small spaces, I don't know about y'all, but I just need some peace. When I look in the refrigerator and see the food that we just bought, I need some peace. I don't know about you, but God is able to restore that marriage that you're in right now as well. He's able to bring peace to it. And what an opportunity we have before us. You've never had so much time, one-on-one time with just you and your spouse. Create new rhythms. Create new devotional times. And we, we've, we cut out commutes. Many of us are not, unless you're an essential worker, we are confined to our house. How about this? Use the opportunity now to create more prayer in that marriage. Jesus can bring peace through it. Somebody has family issues all around. You're having a hard time engaging with your children. Jesus can bring peace in the season that we're in right now. And the greatest way that Jesus brings peace is not just a physical peace, but don't miss this. It's a spiritual one. Jesus on the cross steps into your situation and brings peace between you and God. I, I know, I know how it is, man. You, you didn't think that you and God had beef. You, you didn't think that you and God, you, you didn't think that y'all were on opposite sides. But notice something about God. The Bible tells me when I read the Old Testament to the New, when I read Genesis chapter 1 all the way to Revelation 22, here's what's, or 21, here's what's consistent, that Jesus Christ is holy. That there is such a holiness to God. That there is such a, the, the Bible tells me that he dwells in unapproachable lights. You can't just mosey into the presence of God. Why? Because we're not holy. We, we, we are sinful at birth. The way David will say, say it is, behold, I was born in iniquity and shaped in sin. In other words, you and I are born with no peace with God. But thank God for Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ once again steps in and brings real peace. How does he do that? By getting on a cross and absorbing all of your sin, your past sin, your present sin, and the sin you haven't even committed. Jesus absorbs it on the wrath, uh, the, absorbs the wrath of God on your behalf. And what happens after he absorbs the wrath of God? Now you and I have peace with God. A holy God, you and I can dwell in his presence forever. Why? Because Jesus brought peace. I don't know who it is at home right now and you're in fear. You, you, are, you are like the disciples in John chapter 20, verse 19, where fear surrounds you. You, you are stuck in your thoughts. You are stuck in this situation and you feel hopeless. There is hope today. And the hope is found in the person and the work of Jesus. Who, who lacks peace in this season? Who, who needs to accept Jesus in this season? You've been putting it off. And I'm not saying who needs to accept church. Shoot, all of us have been shut down. My question is, who wants to accept real peace that only Jesus can give? He can do something in your house even right now. So I, I simply want to pray for you. I want to pray for the person that lacks genuine comfort and peace that Jesus can bring. Let's look to the Lord. Father, I thank you for every single person on this live. Lord, we have commercialized Easter. We, 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 have, made, we have made this season about something that it's not. But Father, as we are broken from our rhythms, 
We are broken from the ability to be able to gather as the body. Father, I thank you that you've scattered us enough that we can be salt and light and be peacemakers because of you. So, Father, I pray, oh God, for every person that is tuned in right now. I pray for the person that doesn't know you. That they've clicked on and they're experiencing you. They're, they're feeling you pursuing them right now. Father, would you help them to know that, they, that you can show up in their situation now? Or would you help them to realize that you can show up in the midst of their fear right now? And you can do what their friends are not able to do. You can do with one visitation what a counselor cannot do. And so, Father, I pray, oh God, that you would show up in the midst of hardship right now. Thank you for a risen Savior. Thank you that the tomb is empty. Because the tomb is empty, I now can experience peace. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, listen, normally in our services, we would take this time and we usually end our service every Sunday, every every gathering we have on a Sunday, we end it by taking communion. And this Sunday, Pastor Timmy and I just didn't want it to be any different. We, we wanted to see what it would be like for us through technology to be able to do communion. And so we've asked you to prepare and I'll give you a second if, if you want to go grab your, 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 um, your, your bread and your, your grape juice. If you have anything in your refrigerator, because remember, it's about a symbol. So if you got anything in your grab a piece of bread, grab a cracker, Grab whatever it is, grab. If you don't have grape juice, grab another fruit juice, something from the vine, because it is about the symbol and we will take communion together. And as you guys are running to grab that, let let me quickly read a verse to you in Luke chapter 22. In Luke 22, it says, and the hour came and he reclined at the table and the apostles were with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Bible says in verse 17, and he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it amongst yourselves. I tell you from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom has come. I don't know if you have your bread, but if you do, do me a favor and just hold it up to the Lord. Because this right here represents the body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It says, and he took bread and after he had given thanks, he broke it. And after he had broke it, he gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do me a favor, wherever you are, take the bread with me. Likewise, on that same night, the Bible says that he took the cup. And after he had taken the cup, the Bible says that he says, this cup is poured out for you, is the new covenant of my blood. If you have your juice with you, do me a favor and let's take it together. Father, we thank you so much for what this symbolizes. You said as often as we do this, do this in the remembrance of you. So right now we are thinking back to what you did on the cross. So Father, we, we, we just simply want to say thank you today. We are in awe of you. We are in awe of how 
gracious you are that you decided that you would die on our behalf. We can't think of anybody that would do that for us. We can't think, especially we can't think of somebody that was perfect that would do it for us. But Father, you did it showing us that you are full of grace, you are full of truth, and you are full of mercy. And so, Father, on this Easter Sunday, we celebrate you today. We, we honor you today. We praise you today because we realize, oh God, that what you did for us secured our relationship with you. So we thank you for initiating us and pursuing us. It's in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that we do pray. I don't know where you are, but just do me a favor and just say amen. Well, it is good hanging out with you guys today. Again, I'm, I'm a little sad that we are not together and, and worshiping together. And I look forward to the day that we will uh, rejoice together. But for now, we will, we will definitely follow the CDC and we will follow our state and local uh, officials. And we, we will follow the, the, the orders that they have given out. But thank God that even though we're not able to meet together, that we are still connecting through technology. Let's end today by giving this doxology that's given to the Lord. It says, Now unto him who was able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with a great joy to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Thanks for hanging out with us.